Hi, everybody. And welcome to That's Life, the show where we traveled all the way to Jerusalem to enjoy some defrosting weather, and boy, has it been worth it. Good morning, folks. Thanks for listening. I am Miriam L. Wallach, blogger, writer, and general manager here at the Nachum Siegel Network. You can find me here every Thursday at 10 a.m., right after Charlie and right before Nachum's live lunch, as I hope to bring you a little entertainment, a little news, and a little relief that the life you are leading is not nearly as wacky as mine. And my God, have I lived up to it this week. <laughs> Kudos to Ellie Klein for surviving what was a crazy day with me. But thank God, all worth it. I am coming to you from the home of the Jewish people. Yes, as I just said, I am in Israel. And right now I'm in Jerusalem enjoying it tremendously. Uh, it is week one of the JM and AM Marathon. And I am in the holiest city on earth. ZK, our chief engineer, is handling all of the technical and engineering responsibilities back in New York. ZK, you hey, there? Hey, Miriam, I'm here. <laughs> How's it going? It's going pretty well. I mean, we're expecting uh, some more snow tonight, of course, but uh, it's going okay. <laughs> Sorry, I laugh at you. I'm laughing at you. Yes, I am, because we're not expecting snow here. I know the last time you and I were here together with Nahum, they, they expected snow, and boy, snow we got. But no, it's... Uh, it's beautiful. I have not worn a coat all day, and if I'm rubbing it in, I'm sorry, <laughs> but I'm enjoying my couple of days of defrosting. I'm having you in mind, though. Is that all right? That's fine. That's just fine. <laughs> so for those people who are trying to figure it out, we are Skyping the show from Jerusalem to ZK back in New York headquarters, so to speak. Um, yeah, it's actually it's actually a lot of fun. I've never done a Skype show before, but it's first time for everything, and so far, so good. If you are a new listener to the show, thank you for taking a break from your day to tune in. And if you're a returning listener, thanks, as always, for making us part of your day. If Miriam L. Wallach once a week is just not enough for you, do what Diane Levitt did. You can friend me on Facebook, send me an invite on LinkedIn. You can also shoot me an email, Miriam at NahumSiegel.com. I will not respond to you during the show. I'm not being rude. I'm just being honest, but I will make sure to get back to you afterwards. Also, please follow us on Twitter, Nachum Siegel Net. That's all one word. And Miriam L. Wallach. Also, all one word. Today is an amazing show. I will let you know in a second where I am coming to you from, but don't worry. You hear that crackle? Yeah, that I hear means it. that I'm crazy. Yeah, that means that I'm crazy and brought fortune cookies with me from New York. That's exactly what that means. I packed everything, ZK, including fortune cookies. That's not bad, right? Not bad at all. <laughs> now, I want to tell you also cu- the custom, that the two of them are you, intact. Customs didn't give you uh, trouble with that? <laughs> no. Customs uh, Customs didn't notice it. You know what they gave me trouble with? They gave me trouble with the barrette that I have under my hat that I keep to keep my hair back. I had to take off my hat. at Not customs. It's security. I had to take off my hat. I had to take off my barrette and put my barrette through the metal detector. Oh, boy. And I looked at them, and I'm like, okay, this is nutty. On the other hand, when I flew to Florida last week, I was able to get my knife in my pocketbook all the way to Florida. Now, I didn't do it on purpose. For those people who think I'm just, you know, giving the TSA a hard time. This is the second time already, right? This is already the second time. Yes, (laughs) it might be the second time that that's happened. Why are you keeping track? Shoot, you don't. Right now, ZK, you play for Team Steven. You don't play for Team Miriam. And remember, we all have to play for Team Miriam. All right, let's focus on the fortune cookies because two are intact. And because we are in Yerushalayim and they both of them made it here alive, I'm going to do two. All right, so let's go for the first one. Because you know the rule, if it's broken, we don't open it. It's null and void if it's broken. All right, here's the first one. <gasps> Ellie Klein is going to have a heart attack. I can't believe I got this fortune in Israel. It says, what are you waiting for? Start moving now. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Confucius wants me to make Aliyah. 
That's crazy. Okay, I'm holding on to this one. Shoot, and I'm playing these numbers when I get back. By the way, ZK, write these numbers down. <laughs> I got my big Third, black magic marker. You better write them down. That's right. 30, 55, 5, 9, 17, and 12. Could you believe this? That's a crazy fortune. Okay, all right. I'm a little freaked out now, i got to be honest. Shoot, I'm afraid what the second one's going to say. By the way, I just want to point this out. If the second one says exactly what the first one says, then they're both screwed up. That's also a new rule here. Hold on. I wish you could see this. I'm opening them up with my teeth. It's not the most gracious thing I've ever done, but frankly, I haven't been known for being gracious. All right, here's the second one. All right. Survey says... Seems people like to give advice, but not listening to their own. All right. Well, it definitely speaks to me. I'll say that. But it also does not make the first one null and void, which makes me even more excited. Ooh, that's a freaky one. All right. I'm going to have to hold on to that one. Anyway, let's go through the national holidays. It is National Eating Disorder Awareness Week in the United States. That goes through March 1st. It is also National Secondhand Wardrobe Week otherwise known as being somebody's younger sibling. That's for sure. Um, it is International Polar Bear Day today because, right, go, f- you know, shout out to all the polar bears who listen to the Nakam Signal Network. It's National Chili Day, Chili Day, sorry, Chili as in food, not as chili as in burr. And it's National Day of Action for the Peace Corps. And by the way, you should know that tomorrow, ZK, you're not going to believe this, tomorrow is National Tooth Fairy Day because even the tooth fairy has a national holiday. Did you see my post, by the way? I'm sure you did not, because heaven help you, you're never on Facebook. But did you see my <laughs> post about the scarf fairy that came to visit my house? No, I have not. <laughs> so I went outside to my front steps, and there was a scarf there that we didn't own. I don't know how it got there. I don't know who it belonged to. It was like the freakiest thing. But there was a scarf fairy. So I started joking that the scarf fairy came to visit me. Of course, I would get the scarf fairy. Of all the fairies existing out there, I don't know why I have the scarf fairy, but that's the one that I have. Anyway, I have to tell you where we are. Right now, I can just give you ooh, a little bit of a station of identification. You're listening to that slide here on the Nahum Siegel Network coming to you from Jerusalem, and actually, more specifically, we are at the headquarters of One Family. It is a national organization that is solely dedicated to the rehabilitation of Israeli victims of terror attacks and their families. And for more than 10 years, One Family has been caring for the victims of terrorism and their families from the moment of impact and for as long as they require assistance, with services ranging from counseling to support groups to summer camps for kids. Through a unique and personalized combination of legal, financial, and emotional assistance, one family helps thousands of traumatized, wounded, and bereaved individuals each year here in the state of Israel. Currently, if you can hear the noise going on in the background, they are wrapping Mishloach Manot for their Mishloach Manot project. They are currently prepping over 2,500 packages to deliver to victims of terror across the country. And what is unique about this program is that they are not just delivering delivering packages or having packages delivered, but more than that, they are delivering themselves. And the person who is joining me today is Rebecca Furman. She is one family's director of communications, and she is spearheading, or the genius, I should say, behind this project. Hello, Rebecca. Hello, thanks so much for having me. Absolutely, my pleasure. Thanks for inviting us to be here. This is very exciting, and uh, I appreciate the weather. How you organized that and figured that out, I have no idea, but nice job. 
Thank you. I did talk to God, and it is warm outside just for you. You are amazing. So give everybody a background of to the Mishloch Manot Project and let everybody know what we see going on here. Okay. Right now, we are packing, as you said, 2,500 Mishloch Manot. That's 2,500 families that we will be hand-delivering Mishloch Manot to in the two days leading up to Purim. Um, I know back at home, I'm from Pittsburgh, we deliver, and if someone's not home, we just leave the Mishloch Manot by their door. Um, here with Victims of Terror, we're actually in touch with them now, asking them when they'll be home so that we can hand-deliver the Mishloch Manot to them. Um, wish them a Chag Sameach, see how they're doing, um, and give them a hug of support. Why is that delivering, that face-to-face, instead of just dropping the package, why is that so important? Well, it's really important for victims of terror to understand that they are not alone in their journey of rehabilitation from terror, from their trauma. And it's a lifelong journey. Um, holidays are especially difficult. Everyone's celebrating. And it's just a reminder of what's missing from their life, of their injury, of their bereavement, of the person that's no longer there. So hand-delivering gives them that extra hug, that extra reminder that we are here, we will be here, we will continue to be there for them um, along their journey. Are there other, um, obviously not Mishloch Manot, but are there other programs that are also done that face-to-face at somebody's home? Absolutely. We're in touch with families every single day, um, calling people, checking in on them, calling before Shabbat, before holidays, on birthdays, on anniversaries. We're, we're there at celebrations, at weddings, um, at Yom HaZikaron, at memorials. Um, we are visiting people in their homes every single week across the country from the north of the north all the way south to Eilat, Tel Aviv, and Jerusalem. We're currently assisting 3,500 families. That's about 12,000 people. Each and every single person we are assisting, we have a personal connection with, and that's through telephone calls and through home visits. The Mishloch Manot is just one example within the larger picture of what we're doing. And does each victim of terror, every family, do they have a point person? Absolutely. We have a team of 38 staff members and more than 500 volunteers. Um, and every single victim of terror knows who they can call. Um, it's not just one person. It's usually many people. They can call and we will be there for them in a moment's notice. So it's a lot about the network. Absolutely. It's, it's social capital. We are their family. We are... S- we are their mom, their dad, their brother, their sister, their cousin. We are the people that provide them the support they need. That's why we're called One Family. And what about um, victims of terror and their families to other families? Is there a, a sharing program? Is there a camaraderie kind of pairing? I don't even know what the right words are. Um, we it's, it's based on a support group, a peer-to-peer support. Um, it's a larger family. We're right now assisting bereaved parents, um, uh, widows and widowers, um, injured adults, spouses of injured adults, um, injured young adults, bereaved young adults, injured children, and bereaved children. We have a youth division. We have a young adults division. We have support groups that are happening throughout the country on any given, given day. Um, here in our center, here in Jerusalem, we have three support groups today. Um, it's an opportunity for victims to meet with each other, to rely on each other. And we do it through alternative therapies, through music therapy or art therapy, through a soccer league, through hikes, through retreats, through um, meetings on Shabbat, um, through lectures. Um, but we provide victims an opportunity to learn to rely on each other and to be there for each other. And how did you get involved? 
Um, I got involved. I actually was always passionate about One Family. I grew up with the One Family poster in my high school at Hill Academy in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Woo, go Pittsburgh. <laughs> and um, it was a poster that had the pictures of everyone that had been killed during the Second Intifada. Um, I always wanted to work for One Family. I was always interested. Um, and then uh, um, on March 23rd, 2011, I was involved in a terror attack. Um, I was on my way home from work, and my bus exploded right outside the Jerusalem Convention Center. And uh, overnight, I realized that I have an incredible support system, an incredible family, but I understand what it's like to grow up in the States. I understand what it's like to be on the outside of terror, and I understand, um, now I understand what it's like to be a victim of terror. So I chose to devote my life right now to be a voice for victims of terror. That's pretty incredible. Too many people have, obviously, you know, traumatic experiences and life-altering events from which they don't alter their lives either in a positive way. And this is not a criticism. It's just a reality. The human body and the psyche obviously recuperate and bounce back in different ways and at different speeds. But the fact that you were able to take your moment and build upon that passion and give back is really quite um, commendable, laudable, incredible. Thank you. Um, I think it's really God's gift to us as human beings that we have to be resilient and we have to move forward and we have to learn what's within ourselves that gets us back on our feet. And some people it is to stand up and speak out for other people that, that that's experiences have been more difficult. And for other people, it is to go run a marathon. And for other people, it's to sit in bed and cry. Um, but it's our job at One Family to be there for the people that can't get out of bed and to be there for the people who need to learn what they need to lean on within themselves to be resilient. Are there times when something is too much for you and you have to take a step back, or at this point you've seen everything? There, there are days that are more difficult than other days. I'm right now working on translating a book, Longing for a Hug, which is written by 152 children, bereaved children in our youth division. And it's really difficult. It, it hurts. These children wrote down their memories of the loved ones that they've lost and their kids. They're 13, 14, 15 years old now, and it, it hurts my heart to see the pain that they're experiencing, and I think it, it affects me. It changes me as a person. Um, some, some days are just more difficult than other days. It affects everybody, not just victims of terror. Rebecca Furman here joins me today at That's Life. She is One Family's Director of Communications, and we are here at their headquarters on Racheli Menu in Jerusalem, um, enjoying both the sun and the view and watching these yeshiva boys who are here packing Mishalach Manot for one family and all involved in the different goings-on here. Tell me, I, I know that there are seminary girls who are involved, there are yeshiva boys involved. Tell me how important their volunteerism is to one family. Well, we have a team of 55 girls that are in seminary right now um, here in Israel that visit families weekly that live in Jerusalem. Um, it is so, so extremely important. I don't know how to express it enough. They commit to one family. They visit every single week. They are there. They say they are going to be there. And many of these girls develop relationships with these families that are deep enough for them to stay in touch years down the line. They're in touch in the telephone when they return back to the United States. Um, without them, we wouldn't be able to provide the support that these families need. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tremendous 
tremendous amount of support. Um, it's very hands-on, um, and their extra energy and their smiles and their their faces are filled with hope for the future. Give us a tremendous amount of strength. And kids are amazing, isn't it? Kids are incredible, incredible. What are they exactly packing today? I mean, I know they're Mishloch Manot, but are these Mishloch Manot unique? These Mishloch Manot are unique because that personal touch. They're being packed with care and with love. They want, they're looking at them right now and they're checking to see if they're packed properly because they know when it gets delivered, someone's going to open that up and the smile is going to spread across their face. And they want to make sure that that smile spreads across face because it's a beautiful package because it was wrapped with love, wrapped with care. They're caring. These teenagers are caring, um, and they're spending their free time caring by packing the Mishlach Manot this year. And I noticed that these are not, I mean, <laughs> these are not the brown paper bags that the Wallach family uses to pack their Mishlach Manot. What are they packing them in? Um, we, they're packing them in little picnic bags that have the One Family logo on them. Um, they're packing them filled with chocolates and cookies, the kind of things that you uh, you hang out with your friends and nibble on. Um, and they'll use those bags. So they'll use those bags to go out of the house, to have that picnic, to take a break in the park, um, and just have a good time. And uh, somebody actually explained to me also the deeper message or the bigger message about the fact that it's, you know, an insulated bag, that you want people to get out, you want people to be involved. I don't know if that's, that's you know, somebody reading, you know, Rashi and Tosfos into something, as we like to say, but, but there is that hidden message. There's plenty of Rashi and Tosfos to pass around when it comes to one family. You have no idea what's going to touch someone's heart, what's going to matter to that family, to that victim, to that mom, to that child. Um, and we, uh, every single project, every single program has messaging um, because we want to make that effect, make that change on someone's heart. That's great. That's great. All right, we're going to pull in somebody else. Fantastic. So you're listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network. I am Miriam L. Wallach, and I am, again, Still at the headquarters of one family here in Jerusalem, enjoying watching these boys. What'd you say? Oh, okay, fantastic. Um, <laughs> we have interim producers working with me today. Um, what about, okay, so who do we got on? Tell me, Rebecca, who's next up? Hi, um, so I would like to introduce Michal Glick. Michal is developing a cookbook with bereaved mothers. She's working with 120 bereaved mothers. Um, each mother has submitted a recipe of their child's favorite food. Um, it's an incredible project. We're right now working on photographing the mothers as they make the food. Um, and hopefully Michal will share stories about the mothers preparing those food and what's meant to them to develop this cookbook. Wow, that is an incredible, incredible concept, and so many questions, so little time. But Michal Glick, welcome to the program. Hi. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for letting me. So tell me how this program, this project evolved. Um, I actually came to this project right now, like lately, when it's coming to an end, just, you know, to, um, to um, produce more like the art I'm an art director. But um, one of the, Dina, which is also a bereaved mother for two, and she works here, um, she had this idea about three years ago um, to make um, like a therapeutic, I don't know, um, project because cooking is, cooking is a main and a basic thing in family life and in nurturing your kid. And for her, 
um, it was a very big thing to get back into the kitchen after her sons were killed. I just want to clarify for our listeners that when you say bereaved mothers, these are women who have lost their children or lost a child or whatever it is in, um, in a terror attack. Some of them in terror attacks and some are mothers of soldiers who were killed in missions to, um, towards terrorism in Gaza, in Gaza Strip and, um, so in order to bring them back into the kitchen or even that, that sense of being able to be a mother again, this project was developed. Yeah, because cooking and food is, um, is memory. Um, you know, the taste, the smell in the house. Uh, there was a mother that told me that she couldn't even get into the supermarket because when she saw the ingredients of her son's favorite food, she was, she was battered. So it's, it's, it sounds like a small thing. What is it like walking in a supermarket or making a pancake dish for someone? But for them, it's a big thing. Some others, on the other hand, um, share with me that they keep doing this food over and over again, those recipes, because it reminds them and it connects them because they can't nurture the kid. He's not alive anymore, but they can do something for him in getting into the kitchen and doing it and saying, I love you, I remember you, and I, and I cook it for other people, and I tell them about you. And so there are a hundred and, what did we say, 120? 23. 123 women that you're working with in developing this cookbook, which is such a, uh, I mean, I, I joked that I left New York to escape the chill, but I am totally with my I'm, I'm on pins and needles right now just thinking about this concept I mean as as a as a mother alone it's obviously a horrible and terrifying thing to let your brain go that way that you would ever heaven forbid be in the same situation but to imagine that you're um, then empowering these women to relive these moments in a good way I'm getting choked up to relive these moments in a good and a positive and a recuperative way is is incredible. But I have to tell you that those mothers, they are empowering me or other people that are involved in this project and hopefully the readers. We want it to be a book of inspiration of showing people that these women are keeping on with their lives and living and they chose life and they chose doing Um and they're in a progress. It's always a progress, but they're they're inspiring. They're inspiring, seriously. And to see them, we had the photo shoot days, and they're smiling, and they're so cooperative, and we had so, such a good time. So for me, it was an inspiration. I had this w- woman that lost her daughter and four granddaughters that were shot in the same car. Her daughter was pregnant. And for me to see this woman smiling, cheering everybody up, bringing those cookies and, and you know, letting everybody eat from the cookies. And, and, and here's the cookbook. So for me, this is inspiring, and, and this is what all this book is about. This is, it's not just <laughs> sort of prohibits or prevents me from speaking for the moment. It's not just a picture so that everyone can see sort of what we're seeing. 
Um, on the left side of the page is a picture of the, is a picture of the of the dish plus the recipe and the name of the recipe. And on the right side, it's a picture of the mom actively making the recipe and a little explanation about who she is and her son, and a picture of her son as well. Yes, and also as you can see here, we have this frame that uh, includes an inspiration, um, optimistic sentence of saying from the mother or for someone famous, but mostly from the mothers. What I ask them, what helps you keep on going? What makes you happy? What do you want to say to other people that are maybe going to be in the same situation? And they told me magnificent things. Uh, and also we have on in, in the end of every chapter, we have those the sons that you see here. We have them, you know, you don't see it here because this is just a demo. But we have all those pictures and a little um, information about how, who is the son and daughter, how they they were killed and um, so on. So this is in part a living memory of each victim of terror, um, letting their 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 nishamot, their stories, etc live on so that not only can the parents have some kind of closure and be able to move on and, and be able to discuss their their loved one, their, their child freely and openly, but also this is a testament to to who they were as well. Exactly. And also it's it's a great cookbook. <laughs> Practically. Practically, seriously. This is like the great home cooking. It's not a gourmet, fancy, schmancy thing. It's it's really it's like the best home cooking that can ever be. And I tasted a lot of these recipes <laughs> on photo shoot day, I can tell you. It's amazing. So all of their involvement, um, was there anyone who was hesitant or more challenging to work with? Where there were mothers who were more open and willing to tell their story? Um, yes. Um, although... We uh, we kept it at the beginning. We kept it open. We said whoever wants to participate. It wasn't you know it was open, and whoever gave us her story got in. But uh, during making the food and the photo shoot, um, some mothers. I had this mother who didn't want to come to the photo shoot. She said, um, "I don't think I can ever make this pizza again." Her son's favorite was a pizza. And we had a few talk. We had a few talks, and I said, "Okay, whatever. What what's comfortable for you, you know?" But a day before the photo shoot, I called her, and she said, "You know what? I'm I'm gonna make the pizza." Wow! And she came. She didn't want to leave. She spent. She came in the morning, and I told her, "You can leave. You know, you can just come, take your photo, and and go if you don't feel if you feel it's hard for you." She didn't want to leave. She was so happy. She made sure everyone, including me, eat the pizza till it's gone. It was very good. And she was, she, you can see in her photo, she was smiling. She was really, she was, she had light in her face. And she told me two things after this session. She said, I'm going to make this pizza again. And I'm going to come and join the group and come to their meetings every two weeks. Because she felt how the support of the group is lifting her. So for me, I made she made my day, and we I had several like this. Incredible. Yes. 
Were there times when you had to take a step back? I, I, you know, the same thing I asked Rebecca before. It's got to be very difficult. There have to be some days that are easier than others and some days that are harder than others. And watching the boys pack the mishloch manot and those vafalim over there that are probably my favorite food in the entire world. Keep them over there. Do not bring me a package. Um, you know, these are days that are smiling and fun, etc. But I have to imagine going through this this book the way it is, even in the prototype, that there must have been some very, very challenging days. I am a crier. I, You're in very good company. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. Um, my eyes are running very, very fast. Just yesterday, one of the mothers, uh, she couldn't make it to the photo shoot, so she came here actually, and I took a photo of her. I'm not a professional. I told her, I hope it's going to be good, but she was here in the garden, and I took a picture, and then we, we got in to the office, and and she told me, she told me her son's stories and things about cooking, and I was in tears. What can I do? I sat there, and it happens a lot. So it's mixed, and for them also, it's it's joy mixed with sadness. I think this is this is what keeping on means. It means that you have to. The pain never goes. It never ends. It never, you know, never disappears. But you can make a place near it to bring joy and to bring enjoyment into your life and happiness. It, it, it's always together. Michal Glick joins me here at uh, the One Family headquarters here in Yerushalayim on Rachel Menu as we are watching these wonderful Yeshiva Boys pack these Mishloch Manot that are going to 2,500 Mishloch Manot, going to different families who are victims of terror, all supported by one family. It's a wonderful, wonderful organization that really does a tremendous amount. Were the um, participants in the cookbook, the women, were they particular about the pictures? Did they want to see them afterwards? Did some not want to look at them again? Well, 123 women, you have 123 uh, uh Ways, opinions, yes. Uh, like you say, uh, two Jews, five opinions. Exactly. Um, some were very, you know, easygoing, whatever. Also for the text and for the, um, for the picture and, and some were more uh, self-conscious about the photo because we're women after all. But, um, we had a magnificent photographer, which is my brother, by the way. <laughs> And no, but seriously, I brought him to the project because I knew it will be easy for me to work with him, but also because he's a great photographer. As you can see, he's so sensitive. He's he took them like they're I think you can see the joy and the and the sadness together in the pictures in the eyes. And um and I promised everyone that told me that she's not photogenic and she she never takes a photo. I said to her, Really, seriously? This photographer is super duper in making you happy and pretty, and also we use some photoshoots <laughs> later. Right. No, very lightly. It won't take like 40 pounds of your weight, but you know, just something like a nice lotion on your face. So, and you know what? I didn't have one woman that told me I don't like my picture. They all liked it. Seriously, that's wow! I look so nice. <laughs> I have this. I have this one woman. I don't know if you can see her here. I don't know if she's here, but she was very, very depressed. 
And um, no, I don't know if she's here. She was very, very depressed. What is this, photo- what is this photograph over here? There are five women yeah. sitting at a table, and they're just, I mean, it's not just, but they're just eating and obviously enjoying each other's company. But there has to be a story here because there's no okay. recipe associated okay. with this. this, is, this actually, this is a very nice story. Uh, we didn't get into the book, but this is the house of um, Alice. That's the woman here. And she, um, we, we didn't go to each woman house because we didn't have time nor the money. So we joined them together in houses that were um, actually um, giving us room for one day. And we shot like 15, 20 women every day. So um, this was on Alice. She's also a bereaved mother. This was the only house of a bereaved mother that um, took us for a day. And she made this soup. For, this is the recipe. Her recipe was a soup for her daughter. And um, when we came to her house, she set the table as if for Shabbat. And she told us that she ha- they had a parrot, a talking parrot. As in a bird. Yeah, a bird. He was in a big cage, very cute. When I walked right you know, past him, he told me, what's up? And I was like... <laughs> He's talking to me. He <laughs> said, what's up? In Hebrew, of course. <laughs> he said, makore. But um, she told us that the parent, when, whenever she sets the table for Shabbat, he says, Shabbat Shalom. Or Chak Samer. It depends. That's great. And when she set the table, it was it was Wednesday. Okay? And he saw that she's setting the table. She, so he kept saying, Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat Shalom. <laughs> And that's it. We just took um, took their pictures. And these are all these are all bereaved all mothers. Bereaved mothers. This is Dina. Um, she's the producer of this book. So she is a bereaved mother who this had the inspiration. The yeah, this is actually the pizza mother that I told you about. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's an incredible project. Kola Kavod to you. Uh, I will tell you that there are not enough tissues in the entire world for get, to get me to look through the entire book, nor to have been able to be part of the project. I am. <laughs> I'm too much of a crier for that. But Michal Glick, it has been a pleasure to meet you. Kol HaKavod. Thank you so much. It's hard work and wonderful work. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network, coming to you from the headquarters of One Family in Jerusalem. And getting back to our Mishloach Manot, I have Sharon Lazary. Did I get it right? Hey, Sharon Lazary from Yerushalayim. He works with logistics for One Family um, and the offices of One Family in Israel. And he has the... Terrible, terrible, terrible responsibility of delivering all of these Mishlach Manot. That is a big responsibility. Yeah, it is. You're right. Because uh, we have uh, so much Mishlach Manot to, to, to pack them, to bring them from the, the store. And uh, after that, we take them to the second floor to, to all of all our volunteers. And uh, they make a good job. The, our volunteers are very serious. With and them. how are these boys doing? How are these boys these boys are very great. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's difficult to say to 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 a boy to make a a package. A package. It's a boy, <laughs> but uh, uh, they do the stuff very very good. That's great. That's great. Have you worked with other groups of kids so far this year in building them in the putting together the Mishloach Manot? Yeah, we have uh, about uh, seven groups until now. And uh, I'm, uh, I just uh, pack uh, uh, 400 Mishlochem to Ranana. I've been there today. And uh, to, for, for tomorrow, I'm going to Hadera with 650 uh, Mishlochem That's incredible. And how 
often do you have to do other like you know crazy logistics kinds of organizing things where you have a lot of either deliveries in one day for one family or a lot of things to get together we try to to do the best that's what we need we have the volunteer and they help us so much so uh, if you see a little child, we're happy that you bring him a mishloch manot. So it's making you uh, very strong. Have you been working with one family for a long time? For seven years. Wow. And how did you get involved? Uh, I have a friend who told me about one family. And uh, I think about it. And it was uh, sound to me very, very good. And uh, I decided to, to work to one family. It's very good to me. And there are days that are yoter kav, yoter kasher. Yeah, there are days yoter kav, yoter kasher. When we have, uh, we're going to, but uh, 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 it's very difficult. But uh, when we can help, uh, we do the best. Got it. Well, it is a pleasure to meet you, Sharon. Kol to you and b'hatzlacha. Purim is very challenging. <laughs> Take care. We are going to be joined now by Mindy Levenger. Actually. Mindy is Mindy is joining us on the air. She's going to sit with us for yes, you can watch me. I can speak. You can speak. Mindy is a little bit a little bit concerned about the mic, but she is fantastic. And actually, I met Mindy a number of months ago. It is a pleasure to see you again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you for having me. Thank you for getting this all together. I I am coming. Oh, it's my pleasure. You're in charge of the different families and the programming in Yerushalayim and the surroundings also, which includes what. Um, all the settlements around Jerusalem, Eili, Yitzhar, Itamar, Ofra, Bet El, who did I forget, Shiloh, Neve Yaakov, a lot of people, a lot of families, a lot of wonderful families. And people underestimate just how many families there really are who are either serviced by one family or supported by one family, but also who have been victims of terror. I don't really like saying the number. That's the truth. So then let's keep it quiet. That's fine. But it's a lot of families. A lot of, too many families. That's the truth. Exactly. That would be much less. Right. It should only be that there would be much less. Right. And, and um, as I joke, quote unquote, with other organizations, you wish you didn't have to exist. Absolutely. Halevai. <laughs> I would love to have a nice little store for clothes. I would sell them. <laughs> it would be great. You basically want to own a coffee shop. One day you just... Not a coffee shop. will get fat. A clothing store is nice. A clothing store is great. But then you have opportunities such as these where you have these young, smiling faces, and they don't know from victims of terror except what they've been introduced to you here. And in a couple of months, they're going to go back to wherever they came from. But they will have been a part of something that is tremendous and incredible. And even if it's through this exposure, you are help bringing them into your one family. Absolutely. I just want to say about the volunteers, we have volunteers the whole year, year after year. They're doing it already, uh, I think, like eight years. I can't forget them, and I have to mention them. It's wonderful girls and boys that they come from America, they come from Europe, they come from all over, abroad, and they volunteer as big brother and big sister into our families. And they do wonderful, wonderful volunteering work. And yeshar koach for all of them, really. I never want them to go home. I never want June to come because then they leave. 
but they're amazing. And what they do is they come once a week for like three, three to four hours into a family, um, also bereaved and also the wounded, and they help out with the children, and they do wonderful work. And does does one family helps children of all ages? I mean, it started just as young and feeling and meeting the needs of infants and toddlers who are. It doesn't matter. One family helps everyone, every age. We're there even in the birth. I personally were was in a birth of uh, one of my wounded uh, girls. She was a girl then. She was 24 years old. She was wounded in three different bombing attacks. And they called me at 3 o'clock in the morning that they have this crazy lady here, girl screaming her brains off that she's not giving birth. And she keeps saying my name, Mindy, Mindy, Mindy. They found my number inside her, her purse. It was something. And I came to the emergency, uh, to the birth, uh, no, to the hospital. And I just told them that they have to cover her face because she can't see blood. And the baby was born, was a little girl. Her name is Nama. And so we're there all the ages. <laughs> That's fantastic. And by the way, I, you're like wringing your hands like you're freezing. I can tell you have not been, you have, uh, your English is perfect. I know you're originally from the States. But you have, if you're freezing today, you have not been in the States in a long time. Oh, I heard that it's raining, <laughs> pouring, and snowing. Yeah. And I'm looking at you, you're wearing a turtleneck. You're freezing. Don't forget about it. Give me a break. <laughs> But it's such a wonderful day and it's such a wonderful opportunity for me to be here and just take, you know, just take part in it any way, any way that I can. Because um, after having spoken to you over the summer and, and hearing the stories and meeting the people, it really is truly inspirational. And to be able to bring comfort and, and happiness and support in any way, shape or form to families who have been victims of terror and who have, you know, bad things happen to good people. They certainly, certainly do. But be able to bring light to and, and warmth to any one of these families has to be incredibly gratifying. To bring happiness to these families is the happiness for me. That's the truth. Um, when, uh, when people say, you know, Mindy, we need you only to smile to us and hug you, us, and that's everything for them, I'll continue it all the time. I love these families. It's important to me. Does your cell phone stop ringing? No, not even at 2 o'clock in the morning. And I answer. I'm not a person that doesn't answer the phones. We all answer our phones in one family. How many, um, how many people are on staff? Let's go through, let's go through the makeup here of everyone in the building. Um, and, well, you don't have to do them all by name. Don't worry about that. I just saw you lose a breath there. Um, <laughs> and also, but just so that people understand how many levels there are and how many people that it takes to run one family, because we've had, you know, a number of people on, and I'm watching people walk through the building, etc. But you're seeing in back of us, it's a, we have um, a workshop that they do arts and crafts. It's women that come, they're 12 to 14 women that come, bereaved mothers and wounded and the wounded women, and they do arts and crafts every Tuesday. We have a lot of uh, sessions like that. We have yoga, we have pilates, we have drawing, we have um, arts and crafts, we have uh, taking photos, they do therapy, phototherapy, we have uh, singing, we have just being together. So, so about the staff, we're 38 in staff, but we're four coordinators that we have in all Israel. And we're the ones that are the closest to the families. And then we have the staff 
upstairs, that that's the youth division. We have the Big Brother and Big Sister program. We have the grown-ups that they take care of, uh, bereaved brothers and orphans from one side that they take care of from the age, right after the army, from the age of 30, from 22 to like 30 to 40, even when they get married. And we have uh, another group of uh, orphans from both sides, from both parents that lost their both parents. And the coordinators are the ones that take care of all the families, also the wounded and the wounded, uh, the children of the wounded also. Mm. I mean, Zehu, you make it sound like that's, you know, that's it. That's, but that's a tremendous staff and who provides huge support for all of these families. And of course, there's going to be somebody who's asking, well, where does one family pick up where the government leaves off? And I think that that's something that's important to discuss for a second because there is a limit to the amount of services that the government can provide and does provide. And neglecting all the politics because we're going to neglect all the politics. Into politics. Exactly. But but explain how how one family fits in where the government or where services end. Okay. What, we get people from Bituach Lumi and from Misrada uh, Bitachon. Uh, right. We only have the people that come to one family are the ones that are recognized as terror victims from both of those organ- from both of those places from the government places. So somebody has to be certified almost as a victim of terror by both divisions. Right. Absolutely. And what we fill in is what, just like you said, what they can, su- you know, su- supply. For them, we give. it hasn't been that long. <laughs> <laughs> we give them, but I think it's not that we give more. I think that I was just talking to someone. I am a social worker, and I don't look at my clock when the time is finished. I'll answer. Uh, just now, I have a widow that lost her husband. Her husband was murdered nine months ago, and she has five little kids, and she's only 27 years old. And she, last night I had a phone call. She can call me every night until 1, 2 o'clock in the morning I speak to her. I don't have hours. And that's the difference from a government worker and a chesed worker. So it's not a case? No. No. It's just, it's just that we're there for them when we don't close our doors ever. And the, um, the support that you get from the, the financial support... And the and being able to fund all these programs comes from where? I mean, it comes from God, but where does it come from? From very amazing people abroad that open up their pocket and give us the money and support to help the people here. Um, Mindy Levenger joins me here at That's Life, coming to you from the home base. And I do mean home. I think that's the right way of putting it for one family and watching these boys. And they're not boys. One of them is ten times taller than I am, i got to be honest. Um, watching these. I just have to tell you, you had to see this morning we had also girls, not only boys. Well, the boys are here. Yes, and we had um, an elementary school, sixth graders that came, 20 boys, 20 little boys. Those were little, and they were just amazing. I gave them a whole lecture about chesed and what's giving What's the meaning of giving from yourself? And when you give from yourself, you get pishtaim chazah. And they just like went for it. It's like they just packed and packed in two hours. They finished 300 bags and it was just amazing, those boys, really. They're all amazing. And I thank everyone. It is amazing when you think about the, um, 
how gratifying it is when you're doing work such as this. I mean, Ellie Klein and I were joking that um, it, we love what we do. You know, Ellie loves what he does, and I love what I do. But clearly, and I love what I do, and I love these people and all these families so much that you know my family jokes around and they said, "Who's the family? Us or them?" So I'm not embarrassed to say, but I say you, but them also. Mindy Levenger again. She is the Jerusalem coordinator and the coordinator of outlying areas. There we go. Misaviv Yerushalayim. She's in charge of all the families and programming. What is the newest program that's been developed here at One Family? We had the new program that we did is um, bereaved widows that they're all under the age of 31, and we have a sadna, how do you say, a workshop for them with a psychiatrist, psychiatrist, psychiatrist. And, um, and I, both of us, we do it and we do all kinds of things with them and give them all kinds of, uh, how do you say, kilim, uh, tools to struggle to life, to get up in the morning, to see light and to want to continue living for their children and for them. Elim Shonim, as the case may be. Shonim, yes. Anyway, a pleasure to see you again, Mindy. Thank you so much. Kola Kavod and continued Hatzlacha. My pleasure. And Dori Hoffman, she is from Chicago. <laughs> I want to hear that. I want to hear that accent. Anyway, Dori Hoffman, she joins us now. She is from Chicago. She le- she now lives in Israel. She's been volunteering at One Family. Ah, and you are enlisting next week in the army. Yeah. <laughs> you look really excited about that. Um, I'm starting to get really nervous. <laughs> I imagine. But tell me about your volunteering here. It looks, by the way, if you hear an increase of chatter and noise in the room, the room is being broken down and put back together, and there are about, I don't know, 20 or so people who have now joined um, the other the other side of the room, which looks like it's going to be a start of a workshop of some sort, which is pretty incredible, and somebody's going to have to pass the tissues. I hope I don't understand all of the Hebrew that's going to be going on because I'm sure I'm going to be emotional. But anyway, Dory, let's get to you because I want to hear about your volunteering here at One Family. Um, I started volunteering about two and a half weeks ago um, and the rest of this week and a little bit of next week. Um, And I pretty much uh, came because I live down the street. But it was a happy coincidence and I really am reluctant to go. Um, it's been incredible. It's really, really been incredible. Does your experience here give you a different perspective on your enlisting next week? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> you know, it definitely does. Um, it gives it a bit of a more, like, personal feel, in a way. Um, it gives me, I guess, in a way, like, something to fight for. That, uh, I don't know. <laughs> no, that's that's a fantastic answer. And tell, you made Aliyah by yourself? Yeah. When you were how old? Uh Six months ago. Oh, six months ago. All right. So can I ask you? You are eighteen. Right. You are eight. You are nineteen. Happy birthday! It's your birthday today. Yeah. Um, so you made Aliyah by yourself. Yeah. And your parents are thrilled. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> How did that all evolve? Um. So when I was a year and a half years old, we moved to Israel. Um. We didn't make Aliyah. We kind of just lived here. Um. For five years. So um, my earliest memories are from Israel. Um. I speak Hebrew comfortably. My mom speaks Hebrew with me at home because she feels the same way. Um. And I guess in a way, like this idea of serving their country and this connection to Israel just never left me all throughout high school, all throughout middle school, elementary school. So it's been a long time coming that I come back. And it was never a doubt in your mind? Uh, no, there were. There were times where, you know, I didn't really think that it was going to be happening. Um, and there were times where I was absolutely positive. 
Um, and about a year ago, I decided that I wasn't excited about going to college. I wasn't excited about doing that, going that way, go, going down that path. Um, and I decided that I wanted to, uh, to move to Israel. I decided I wanted to do something, um, something a little different than most of my friends were doing. And did they look at you funny when you told them you were making Aliyah? Um, some of them. Some of them really didn't understand, but some of them are, um, are very, very proud. So, Anybody come with you? Yeah, my best friend. Um, two of my best friends actually are here on different programs, um, and they're in Jerusalem, so I see them as much as I can, which is really great to have them here. So your year abroad turned into something completely different. Uh, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. So you're enlisting into where? Um, I'm going to be a basic training commander, uh, Makit in Hebrew. So um, in the army, um, every soldier goes through basic training, which is at least like four weeks to four weeks ish. Um, and the girls that I guess instruct the basic training are the commanders of the soldiers are called makiot, uh, basic training commanders. So that's what I'm going to be. It has nothing to do with a makah, does it? Because uh, no. <laughs> that would be ironic. Any bad play on words, a makah being a hit, or in this some cases a plague. Um, Tell me also where you plan to do once the army is over. Um, plan on traveling, uh, like a, an Israeli. Right. Um, but I would really, really love to come back and volunteer again or try to work here at One Family. Um, it's been an incredible experience, and I'm really never going to forget it. And it's something that I know I'm going to want to continue doing. Well, Dori, kola kavod to you, and much hatzlacha. Please stay safe. As a mother, please stay safe. And um, I thank you on behalf of all the Jewish people for your service. Thank you. Thank you. Well, guys, this has been one emotional show, i got to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> I would thank Ellie Klein. I'm going to thank him now, even though he stepped out of the room for a second. Ellie Klein has been a wonderful, wonderful partner for the day um, as we went to see different parts and different people and meeting unbelievable personalities here in Yerushalayim and especially here at One Family. I'm happy that he was able to coordinate the program today from One Family. Kola kavod to him and kola kavod to everyone else here. And again, a tremendous hakara satov to Ellie for making today possible. And uh, I am a little bit choked up. This was this was pretty incredible, everybody. This was pretty incredible. as one one amazing way to end off a trip. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network. Thank you so much for joining me today. I know that you know this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. The JM and the AM Marathon has started. We are at the almost at the end of week one. If you have not given yet, I please, I please, please, please beg of you to give what you can. Keep in mind that JM and the AM, like all of our program, all of the programming, is listener sponsored. At WFMU, JM and AM depends on our sponsors, depends on our listeners to support what we're doing. We thank you so much for all your support, both by listening and everything else that you do, but we also need your financial support as well. You can go to jmandam.org. You can also call in in the morning and hear your pledge read over the air. I, I Again, from the bottom of my heart, I say please, and the bottom of my heart, I say thank you for whatever you can do. Let's go through the order, the live lunch we start with brunch, we end with lunch. The live lunch starts at 11 o'clock. That's just in a couple of minutes. Hosted by Nachum. Make sure to email him, Nachum at NachumSiegel.com, with your requests. I want to, first of all, before I run out of time, I know, I see. I want to <laughs> I want to thank ZK for engineering from New York. I really appreciate it. Make sure to check out our schedule, NachumSiegel.com, for the 2014 update. Naomi is on tomorrow. We have a lot of wonderful program. Michael Fragan's on later today. 
I have to go, everybody, because I'm out of time. Anyway, we are leaving you with um, Yalili by Eighth Day, as they will be joining us also on Legendary Destinations Tour this Pesach. Again, LegendaryDestinations.com. That's life, everybody. Bye, guys. Yala, yala, yalili. Yala, yala, yalili. Yala, yala, yalili. Yala, yala, yalili. Oh, yala, yala, yalili. Yala, yala, yalili.